history of the bands. Welcome, welcome, welcome to History of the Bands. I am your host, the human Google machine, Brandon with us. How is everybody? Eyes are doing goods. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's like the middle of the season here now, guys. It's hard to believe it's gone by this fast. Anyway, I'm excited for this episode, as on this episode... I will talk about the godfather of shock rock. That's right, Alice Cooper. Now, Alice Cooper's catalog is like really huge. So I'm going to do a part one here and maybe do a part two at a future date. So it won't have a part two this season. So what I'm going to do for part one is I'm going to do the origins all the way up to 1980. But to move on. Cooper has sold over 50 million records worldwide and is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He has 28 studio albums, which 7 was when Alice Cooper was the name of the band and not just the person. He has been called the beloved heavy metal entertainer from Rolling Stone's album Guide. His stage show is one of the most fun shows to see. He revolutionized the show's on the stage with shock horror. He has multiple gold and platinum records and since 2004 he has been a radio DJ with his classic rock Nights with Alice Cooper. So guys, let's not wait around on this one. Let's jump right in. Class is in session. Alice Cooper was born Vincent Damon Furnier. Furnier. It's like F-U-R-N-I-E-R. So, Furnier? I think I'm saying it correct there. Anyway, he was born on February 4th, 1948 in Detroit, Michigan. His father was Ether and his mother was Ella May. He was named after his uncle and writer, Damon Runyon. His father was an evangelist in the Church of Jesus Christ and and his grandfather was the president of that church. Cooper was active in his church early on and following a series of childhood illnesses, the family moved to Phoenix, Arizona, where he went to Cortez High School. In his yearbook, his ambition was to be a million record seller. In 1964, when he was 16 years old, he was eager to participate in the school's annual Letterman's Talent Show. So he gathered up four other guys from his cross-country team and formed a group for the show. The four guys was Glenn, Dennis, John Tatum, and John Spear. They named themselves the Earwigs. They dressed up as the Beatles and did several parodies of the Beatles songs. Out of all the band members, only Glenn knew how to play the guitar, so he played while the others faked it. The group got a great response and won the talent show. So the group decided to try and make this a real band and give it a shot. They would rename themselves the Spiders. 
1966, the Spiders graduated from high school and then replaced John Tatum with Michael Brooks. By 1967, the band made regular trips to L.A. to do some shows, and after a little while, they changed their name again to Naz. Also, John Spears was replaced by Neil Smith on the drums. By the end of 1967, the band moved to L.A. In 1968, the band found out there was another band that had the name Naz. So then they was left trying to figure out a new name. Cooper said the band needed a gimmick and thought nobody else was exploiting the showmanship potential of the stage. The band wanted something innocent and wholesome, so they chose the name Alice Cooper. They chose that because the name was innocent, but their image and music was different from what you would think. They thought it was humorous. Cooper's iconic look came from the movie called Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, where the makeup was smeared. After a depressing show in the Cheetah Club, where the band ran out of the room within 10 minutes, they was approached by music manager Shep Gordon. Gordon wanted to turn them to a more productive direction and had them audition for producer Frank Zappa. Frank told them to be there by 7 o'clock. Well, the band thought that meant 7 in the morning, and they showed up at his house at 7 in the morning, waking him up. Well, it impressed him, so he signed them to a three-album deal to Straight Records. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, everyone. Have you ever felt just down and out, depressed, like you need somebody? I've been there before. And when I was like that, I wish I knew about BetterHelp. Now, BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and is 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel like doing it. You can do it via text message, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions whenever is convenient for you. If your therapist isn't that right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from an in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you more scheduling, flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash history of the bands. That is betterhelp.com slash history of the bands. And thank you, BetterHelp 
for sponsoring this podcast. So Cooper's debut album is Pretty For You, released on June 25th, 1969 by Straight and produced by the band themselves. When recording at Whitney Studios in Burbank, Frank Zappa left his brother in charge of the recording while Zappa left the studio. Zappa returned later that day and informed them that the album was finished, having only recorded the band rehearsing. Gordon states that there was no producer during recording, and the band had no complete songs written, that Zappa didn't spend five minutes in the studio, and never asked to hear the material. And the band's debut album was made up entirely of that rehearsal recording. The track list is Titanic Overturn, 10 Minutes Before the Worm, Sing Low Sweet Cheerio, Today's Muller, Living, Fields of Regret, No Longer Umpire, Levity Ball, BB on the Mars, Reflected, Apple Bush, Earwigs to Eternity, and Changing Arranging. For a total length of 38 minutes and 10 seconds. The album peaked at number 193 on the billboards, so just barely made the list. A Rolling Stones critic felt that there was no hints of life, spontaneously, joy, rage, or any kind of passion or conviction in this album. It was just like a bland album. However, he stated, within the context of Alice Cooper's self imposed limitations the album is listenable he concluded the review by saying that alice cooper's music is for this reviewer at any rate today dispendable the album won an award in germany for best arranged album in 1969 alice cooper's shock rock reputation developed almost by accident at first an unrehearsed stage routine involving Cooper, a feather pillow, and a live chicken had garnered up some attention from the press. The band decided to capitalize on the tabloid sensation, creating in the process a new subgenre called shock rock. Cooper claimed that the infamous chicken incident at the Toronto Rock and Roll Revival concert in September of 1969 was an accident. A chicken somehow made its way onto stage into the feathers of a feather pillow that they would open up during Cooper's performance. And not having any experience with farm animals, Cooper assumed that because the chicken had wings, it would be able to fly. He picked it up and threw it out over the crowd, expecting it to fly away. The chicken instead plummeted into the first few rows occupied by wheelchair users who reportedly proceeded to tear the bird into pieces. The next day the incident made front page of the national newspapers and Zappa called Cooper and asked if the story which reported that he had bitten off a chicken's head and drunk blood on the stage was true. Cooper denied the rumors then Zappa told him, well, Whatever you do, don't tell anyone you didn't do it. Despite the publicity from the chicken incident, the band went to record their second album called Easy Action. Released on March 27, 1970 by Straight and produced by David Briggs. 
There is not much on this album other than the title was inspired by The West Side Story and David Briggs hated the band. David made the album sound too dry, more like a TV or radio commercial, and he did not help with song arrangements or positive input in any way. He just absolutely hated Alice Cooper. The track list is Mr. and Misdemeanor, Shoe Salesman, Still No Air, Below Your Means, Return of the Spiders, Laughing at Me, Refrigerator Heaven, Beautiful Flyaway, and Lay Down and Die Goodbye. For a total length of 34 minutes and 13 seconds. So, the album failed. The band became frustrated with California, so they moved to Pontiac, Michigan. They wasn't well liked, but they hung around there for a couple of years. In the fall of 1970, Alice Cooper went back to the studio to do their third album called Love It to Death, released on March 9, 1971 by Strait and Warner Brothers. You see, Zappa had sold Strait Records to Warner Brothers in 1970 for $50,000. Anyways, it was produced by Jack Richardson and Bob Ensrin. So how they hooked up with Bob Ensrin was they did the Strawberry Fields Festival in Canada in the spring of 1970, and their manager Shep got with Jack Richardson, and Jack was really not interested, so Jack sent Bob to go do it. Bob was impressed with the band's audience participation, rock theater style of performance, and the cult-like devotion of the band's fans who dressed up and knew the lyrics and the actions to the music. So Bob went back to Toronto and convinced Jack to produce the album. Bob's style was different from the way Alice Cooper did things and they was resistant at first but ended up doing it Bob's way, which I think ultimately helped them in the long run. The track list is Caught in a Dream, I'm 18, Long Way to Go, Black Juju, Is It My Body, Hallowed Be My Name, Second Coming, Ballads of Dwight Fry, and Sun Arise for a total length of 36 minutes and 58 seconds. The album was the breakthrough that they needed, like, desperately. <laughs> it peaked at number 35 on the billboards and has since gone platinum. The critics loved this album and gave great reviews. Alice Cooper's tour featured a stage show involving mock fights and gothic torture being imposed on Alice Cooper himself, climaxing at stage executions by an electric chair. Alice's stage role had developed to present a villainous side. Anyways, so like his character was portraying a potential threat to modern society. The success of the band's single and album and their tour of 1971, which included their first tour of Europe, provided enough encouragement for Warner Brothers to offer the band a new multi-album contract. Well, now with the backing of Warner Brothers, the band went back to the studio to record their fourth album called Killer, which was released in November of 1971 by Warner Brothers and produced by Bob Ezrin. There isn't much about this album, so let's go over the track list. 
The track list is Under My Wheels, Be My Lover, Halo of Flies, Desperado, You Drive Me Nervous, Yeah, 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 Dead Babies, and Killer. For a total length of 37 minutes and 8 seconds, the album reached number 21 on the billboards and it also went platinum. This album was well-liked. AllMusic gave it 5 stars. This album also expanded on the villainous side of Cooper's androgynous stage role with its music becoming the stage track to the group's morality-based stage show, which by then featured a boa constrictor hugging Alice Cooper on stage, the murderous axe chopping of blood baby dolls, and execution by hanging at the gallows. So with this momentum, the band went back to the studio to record their fifth album, and it is Schools Out which was released on June 30th, 1972 by Warner Brothers and produced by Bob Ezrin. They are creating these albums so fast that I cannot get much info on the making of the albums. So the track list is Schools Out, Looney Tunes, Gutter Cat vs. The Jets, Street Fight, Blue Turk, My Stars, Public Animal Number 9, Alma Mater, and grand finale for a total length of 36 minutes and 56 seconds. The album did very well with the critics, even though it really had just one great song on it. I mean, I'm just saying, School's Out is his like most played song. This is the only song from this album that still gets played. The tour was pretty short as he went back to the studio to make his sixth album called Billion Dollar Babies, which was released on February 25th, 1973 by Warner Brothers and produced by Bob Ezrin. The first recording sessions for this album took place in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, in a mansion called the Galatius Estate. To achieve a certain vocal sound, and echoes, microphones were run through rooms of various sizes and a greenhouse. Other sessions were held at the Morgan Studios in London. Alice Cooper had said the whole idea behind Billion Dollar Baby's album was exploiting the idea that people do have sick perversions. Alice also said Chuck Berry was a key influence on this writing. The track list is Hello Hooray, Raped and Freezing, Elected, Billion Dollar Babies, Unfinished Sweet, No More Mr. Nice Guy, Generation Landslide, Sick Things, Marianne, and I Love the Dead. For a total length of 40 minutes and 51 seconds, the album was commercially successful as it went to number one on the billboards and has gone platinum. Critics love this album. It has been on people's top list for like ever, it seems like. An interesting side note is Chris Cornell of Soundgarden and Audio Slave said that it is one of his favorite albums. After the album's release, the band went on a tour which broke the United States box office records and included a schedule of 64 concerts in 59 cities in 90 days. The gross revenue was about $4 million. Alice Cooper hired a magician to design effects for the show, and the magician traveled with them on tour to supervise and coordinate the effects. 
The magician even played a role on the stage as the executioner. The live performances featured Alice wearing a costume with fake blood stains at the crotch, tearing apart baby dolls, attacking mannequins, and being decapitated by a guillotine. You know, since he had the executioner there, I mean, he's got to get executed, right? In preparation for the tour, two semi-trailers carried a wide variety of props, including a dentist drills, four whips, a surgical table, six hatchets, 33,000 program books, 300 baby dolls, 22,000 sparklers, 58 mannequins, 280 spare light bulbs, 1,000 patches, 6,000 mirror parts, 14 bubble machines, 28 gallons of bubble juice, and 250,000 packages of bubble bath. This is definitely an expensive tour. They spent a lot of money on this thing. <laughs> well, the band went back to the studio to record their seventh album known as Muscle of Love released on November 20th, 1973 by Warner Brothers and produced by Jack Richardson and Jack Douglas. This was the first album without Bob Ezrin as the producer. This was a very difficult album to make because nothing was going right. The track list is Big Apple Dreamin', Never Been Sold Before, Hard Hearted Alice, Crazy Little Child, Working Up a Sweat, Muscle of Love, Man with the Golden Gun, Teenage Laminate 74, and Woman Machine for a total length of 39 minutes and 31 seconds. The album peaked at number 10 on the billboards and went gold. The reviews was mixed. It was described as a hit or miss type of album. But what was cool was one of the songs was recorded for the James Bond movie, The Man with the Golden Gun but someone else got the gig for that. After all of this, the band went on a hiatus. Alice started doing Hollywood Squares, TV show, a Greatest Hits album came out. Then they released a movie called Good to See You Again, Alice Cooper, which was footage from live concerts and doing comedic sketches. Well, the band just got left behind. Alice Cooper took over the name and went solo in 1975 to avoid legal complications over ownership of the group's name Alice Cooper changed his name to Alice Cooper Alice felt that he'd done all he could do as a band and wanted to do his own thing you know kind of go his own way with his music his first solo album is Welcome to My Nightmare released on March 11th 1975 by Atlantic and produced by Bob Ezrin. This is a concept album with Alice telling a story of the nightmares of a character, Steven. The track list is Welcome to My Nightmare, Devil's Food, The Black Widow, Some Folks, Only Women Bleed, Department of Youth, Cold Ethel, Years Ago, Steven, The Awakening, and the escape for a total length of 43 minutes and 19 seconds the album peaked at number five on the billboards and went platinum it got a little hate but it was very well liked by the critics so remember when i said it was a concept album well it got a tv special and was narrated by vincent price 
who was a legendary horror movie star. The movie was nominated for a Grammy and some kind of Broadway thing done. So it was a big success. So after this success, Alice went back to the studio to record Alice Cooper Goes to Hell, released on June 25th, 1976 by Warner Brothers and produced by Bob Ezrin. There's not much information on this album, so the track list is Go to Hell, You Gotta Dance, I'm the Coolest, Didn't We Meet, I Never Cry, Give the Kid a Break, Guilty, Wake Me Gently, Wish You Were Here, I'm Always Chasing Rainbows, and Going Home. For a total length of 43 minutes and 15 seconds, this album peaked at number 27 on the billboards and has gone gold. It was not very well received by the critics. Also, the tour in 1976 was completely canceled prior to commence due to Alice suffering from an illness at the time. <laughs> Trying to bounce back, Alice did another album called Lace and Whiskey, released on April 29, 1977, by Warner Brothers and produced by Bob Ezrin. After many years of portraying a dark, sinister persona, Alice decided to try something new and donned the persona of a heavy-drinking comic named Maurice Eskergat, a fictional character in the same vein as Inspector Clouseau. Cooper is pictured as Maurice on the back cover of Lace and Whiskey, which was still a rock-based album but was stylistically influenced by Cooper's love of the 1940s and 50s movies and music. The track list is It's Hot Tonight, Lace and Whiskey, Row Rats, Darned If I Do, but it's, it's another word, uh, I'm not going to say it, You and Me, King of the Silver Screen, You Bangi Stop, <laughs> that's a weird one, You Bangi Stop. <laughs> Love at Your Convenience, I Never Wrote Those Songs, and My God, for a total length of 41 minutes and 17 seconds. The album peaked at number 42 on the billboards, but did not go gold or platinum. Critics did not like it, and after the tour in 77, Cooper checked into a New York-based, like, rehab, sanitarium, I can't say the word, but, like, rehab, basically for his first treatment for alcoholism. After spending time getting sober, Alice went back to the studio to make From the Inside, released November 17, 1978 by Warner Brothers and produced by David Foster, not Ezrin. This is another concept album about Cooper's stay in the New York asylum due to his alcoholism. I could have said asylum instead of that sanctuarium or rehab. Either way, he was like in an asylum type basically thing for his alcoholism. Each of the characters in the songs were based on actual people Cooper met in the asylum. And a cool fact, the album was adapted into a comic book, Marvel Premiere number 50. The track list is From the Inside, Wish I Were Born in Beverly Hills, The Quiet Room, Nurse Rosetta, Millie and Billy, Sirius, How You Gonna See Me, For Veronica's Sake, Jackknife Johnny, and Inmates. 
for a total length of 39 minutes and 8 seconds. The album peaked at number 60 on the billboards, but it did not go gold or platinum. A critic said the songs are full of good ideas, held that the songwriters and performers approach the concept too seriously, and that the album should have been done in a parody vein. So the album got mixed reviews. The tour stage show was based inside an asylum and was filmed for Cooper's first home video release, The Strange Case of Alice Cooper, in 1979. Around this time, Cooper performed Welcome to My Nightmare, You and Me, and School's Out on The Muppet Show on March 28, 1978. He played one of the devil's henchmen trying to dupe Kermit, Gonzo, and Miss Piggy into selling their souls. He also appeared in a against typecasting role as a piano-playing disco waiter in Mae West's final film, Sexette and as a villain in the film Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which was, you know, a movie based on the Beatles album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club, Club Band. I've seen it. It's pretty good. Uh, the Bee Gees was like the main characters in the movie, and you got Alice Cooper as a villain. You got Steve Martin as a villain. You got um, uh, Aerosmith in it. Uh, it's actually a very interesting movie. Very interesting. Cooper also led celebrities in raising money to remodel the famous Hollywood sign in Los Angeles, California. Cooper himself contributed over $27,000 to the project, buying an O in the sign in memory of a close friend. In 1979, Alice also guest starred on good friend Soupy Sales' show, Lunch with Soupy Sales and was hit in the face with a pie as part of the show. Cooper had this to say about his friend, and I quote, Being from Detroit, I came home every day and watched Soupy at lunch. One of the greatest moments in my life was getting pie-faced by Soupy. He was one of my all-time heroes. Unquote. Well, guys, that's all I got for this episode. Like I said, I might do a part two in the coming seasons, you know, just kind of like, I have to break this one up. He has so many albums. Alice Cooper is a great rocker in my opinion. He is one of my favorites. Anyway, let's list my top five from the formation to 1980. Coming in at number five is Killer. Number four is School's Out. Number three is Welcome to My Nightmare. Number two is Love It to Death. And number one is Billion Dollar Babies. This is my top five, people. And it is what it is. <laughs> On the next episode, I will be talking about Creed. Yes, Creed. So make sure you come back and listen, because you do not want to miss this next episode. But if you want to keep up with me and what I'm doing, you guys can head over to History of the Bands on TikTok, Facebook, or Instagram. On Facebook and Instagram, you know, there's links there. You can go to it. On Facebook, you know, you click the link, it'll take you over there. You can buy shirts, hoodies, and a uh, and a thermos, you know, one of them like water bottle things. It's got history of the bands wrote across it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you should do that. Uh, on Instagram, you know, there's that same link to go do that. Also, there's a link, you know, for better help. 
I highly recommend it. You know, use the promo code History of the Bands and get 10% off on your first month. You know, if you need better help, that is the best place to go. Anyway, I ain't got much else to say other than class is dismissed. History of the Bands. Oh, my God.